You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie McLeod and Lindsay Roman. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here, friend. Hit that subscribe button so you will be notified every time we drop a new episode every Tuesday. And if you haven't left us a short little five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we would love you forever if you paused this episode and went and did that now. Now today, we are answering a good chunk of your photography-specific questions that you've sent in. And we pull you, our listeners, in our Heart and Hustle Facebook group for questions for our Q&A episodes. So if you are not already in there, the link to join is in the show notes. So maybe in a future episode, your question will be answered live on the show. Well, not live. Technically, it's like recorded. You get it. Whatever. Anyways, today, Evie and I are diving into questions like, is it cheating if you use presets? How did we achieve our editing style? When should you draw the line at giving family or friends free sessions? Where is the best place to stand for a first kiss on a wedding day? And how do you decide your vibe or brand at the beginning of your business? We got some good photography questions in this episode. So let's get to the answers in three, two, one. I've got two words for you that will seriously up-level your business. You ready for it? Niche down. We're sure you've heard it a million times, huh? Like everyone and their mom tells you to niche down, but maybe you're still struggling to see the benefits. Well, we're here to tell you from experience, it will in fact help you sell and scale in the long run. And once we actually did niche down ourselves, um, it worked. Our businesses soared which is why we want to give you an explanation and then teach you step-by-step exactly how to niche down. You excited? Because we know that we are. Go to theheartuniversity.com forward slash niche to begin the process of honing in on your area of expertise. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. All right, let's dive on in. We are going to uh, state the question and the name of the person who submitted it. And as always, if you want to be a part of future Q&A episodes, make sure you are part of the Heart and Hustle Facebook group where we typically ask for your questions for Q&A episodes. And I think that's my spiel. So all right, let's get to the first question. (laughs) Awesome. First one is from Cassie and she asks, how did you achieve your editing style? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. That's a great yeah. question. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is lots of practice, obviously. Like it doesn't come uh, immediately. And I mm-hmm. also would give permission to say it can evolve over time. And for us, it has. Yes. Um, like the the style that I originally started when I first started photography, I was like using Maston Lab presets and I was trying to go <laughs> for like an airy, like happy, not that my style is not happy, but like happy, like light, fluffy, um, film esque vibe as far as like light and airy. And that's not really where it ended up right now. So at all. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> so yeah, is, it's a beautiful style, but yes, there's evolution that 100% happens. Uh, and that's okay. Um, yeah. but I say like how to achieve my editing style at the beginning, uh, lots of practice, lots of playing around in Lightroom and understanding what the different like, you know, things did. But I would also say shooting in different light and locations and then editing and playing around in Lightroom definitely helped kind of figure out what tones and like looks I liked consistently over a bunch of different 
locations and lighting? Like, do I like high contrast? Do I like low contrast? Do I tend to have my tint more green or more pink or more blue or more warm? Like there's so many things that you can't really know until you practice, I would say. Yeah. I think one great way to, to kind of see what you're naturally gravitating towards is to go onto Pinterest and like create a board and just pin all the, the photography, you know, work or styles or photos or whatever that you're really drawn towards. And then go look at that board as a whole and notice like, okay, there's a theme here. There's always a theme. And notice what is that theme? Are, do you, are you very drawn to bold colors and bold contrast? Are you really drawn to you know something totally different? So Pinterest is a great way to help you kind of identify and then really begin to put in the work of like, okay, I like really bold poppy color, you know, photos. I need to start working on, you know, editing and tweaking my contrast, my blacks, you know, all of that. So I think, yeah, what Lindsay's saying. And then the other thought for me, one of my biggest aha moments was getting the right presets. Um, yeah. Cause I, the same as her, I started with Mastin Labs because that's what I really saw I, in the photography industry and like all the photographers I followed were like very Mastin Labs, you know, light and airy style, which is beautiful. And so I thought that I wanted to do that. And then I started like realizing I'm not liking my photos. I'm not liking what's happening. And I was struggling. I was like not loving my style. And then I ended up getting a preset pack that it was just like immediately I would one click apply the preset and I was like, oh, I love it already. And I would, mm-hmm. you know, before spend hours trying to tweak a, a other photo and I would still be like, it's okay. And this, it was just an aha moment where I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been trying to achieve. And this helps. So I think presets. Yep is huge. And then from there, really learning to tweak and experiment. And I definitely deviated a lot from that preset over time, but that was a huge turning point for me. So if you're really struggling with like your editing style, do not be afraid to go and try, like research some presets and then, you know, buy a few packs. I had several packs when I first started. I still buy presets. I sell my own presets and I still will buy preset packs sometimes because I enjoy trying and experimenting with new styles and having Mm -hmm. fun, like creating and seeing like, what does it look like if I, you know, try this preset? What look does that give my photos? So don't be afraid to buy presets, which actually I think is what we're going to talk about next, but presets are great. We love them. I know. I know. That's, I I ordered these strategically in this, but I would agree with with Evie, uh, like getting a preset pack that actually got me close to where I wanted to go was like, what? Yeah. Um, so speaking of the next question is from M, is it Emma? Emmy. It's E and then E, and I'm not sure if it's Emma. No. Emmy, M. Okay. Either way. <laughs> One of those three options. <laughs> she says, when to use purchase presets and when not to. When you're just starting out, do they help you or just prevent you from finding your own style and learning Lightroom because they do so much for you? Is it cheating or is it efficiency? That is a freaking fantastic question. I, okay. I have many thoughts here. I'm going to try to hone in on my thought process. I, first of all, I don't think they're cheating um, no. at all. Like there are some trolls in the photography world that like if you, if, <laughs> there's some trolls that like just are trolly online and they're like, hey, you're cheating if you do anything. Yeah, no, they can go away. They're not listening <laughs> to the podcast. Um, <laughs> but I think presets are a way to be efficient, 100%. However, I the caveat that I will say, like we just said, presets really got us closer to the look that we were going for. But I don't think that you should just use a preset and then never experiment or ever look at the ins and outs of especially the basic panel in Lightroom. Like, I think you should definitely play around with the tone. Well, yeah, I meant like the the main, is that? 
Yeah, the, the main the one. Basic is just like lights, whites, highlights. Well, oh. then what do I wait? Oh, the develop. That's what I mean. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> like the whole editing panel. You're right. Yeah. The basic is. I, I was meant like, more than you're that. like at least the basic, and I'm like, no, I'm no, more no, than no, that. <laughs> I was confusing basic with develop, like the develop okay. tab in Lightroom yes. that has literally all of it. That's what yes. I meant because I think you should at least know a good chunk of what the tone curve does. You yeah. should know like color correcting, the HSL sliders, the calibrations. Like, mm-hmm. make sure that you're in Lightroom playing around. And if obviously you've played around with them before, you got presets, then hopefully you know what they do but Mm -hmm. I would just like I don't think that using presets is a cheat and saying that you're an ignorant photographer not at all you're smart because you're using your time wisely and you're saying hey this this gets me closer than me dinking around with the edits for five million years but you can also if you did dink around with the edits for five million years and found something you liked you can create your own preset um Mm -hmm. pretty easily in Lightroom but I I we are big advocates for presets that's where I was ending this rant yeah (laughs) I think you know at, at the end of like the day, the only time that I would say is like, don't maybe use a purchase preset or don't continue to use it is if you're planning to or considering selling your own presets, like do not ever, 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 ever use another photographer's preset as a base for your own. It is illegal. It is theft. It is wrong. Um, So 100%, like if you are planning to sell your own presets, make sure it's your own create it from scratch. Do not use another photographer's preset as a base. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think presets 100% not cheating. There is an element of if you are not learning the rest of, you know, Lightroom, if you don't know how to maneuver within Lightroom and work within Lightroom, yeah, that could be a problem. But most likely, even with presets, there's still work that needs to be done on photos and you will still get yourself in tricky lighting situations or color situations or whatever, where you have to put in some effort in, you know, the edits of your photo. So you're going to learn it one way or another. Just maybe keep it in the forefront of your mind. Like, hey, I want to continue to strengthen my editing skills. Mm -hmm. And, you know, presets are a great tool, but I'm not going to make them my only editing tool. Yeah. Well, and I also just want to preface, like, we both said, like, hey, we use presets at the beginning of our career. And then when we both, like, went to go create, like, our own presets to sell from our personal edits, we then no longer, like, we no longer were using the... Mm -hmm the ones that we had started using at the beginning, if that makes sense. Like, which obviously that comes from just like over time learning Lightroom and developing, you know, what like your knowledge of the sliders and and feeling comfortable and, and all of that. Yeah. Although I will say, like I said before, I still occasionally, not all the time, but I'll still occasionally buy a preset pack that I'm like, I love how this person edits their photos. Like Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to play around with them. And my purpose with that is just for the creativity and the fun and the, you know, totally new perspective and seeing, especially as a preset creator, I want to see like, you know, is there any improvements that I can make on my presets? Like how, you know, how are these set up? Not necessarily like in a scammy way, just more like, oh, wow. I love that they, you know, kept the white balance on auto white balance or like as shot or whatever. Um, which mine do. But, you know, if there's things like that, that I don't know that I see somebody else do, or even just for my creativity, that's my main purpose is like, I enjoy it. But I do not use any other photographer's presets for... The base. The base, never. So, yeah, no. Illegal. Don't do that. But we are fans (laughs) of presets because we sell our own. Okay. (laughs) We will link ours in the the show notes. I'm just kidding. Well, maybe we should. (laughs) We we will. We will. So we can help you find them faster. All right. (laughs) Next one. Abigail. 
Do you want to read the question? I got it. All right. So Abigail asked, doing photos for family or friends, when do you draw the line on doing them for free? I think, I think this is such a personal decision. This is something that is varied person to person and case Mm -hmm. to case. Like I, for me personally, I really don't have issues shooting for free for a lot of people. Like my entire immediate family, I will Mm -hmm. shoot my, my siblings, their babies, their family photos, their engagements, like whatever. I will shoot for free for them any day of the week because I love doing that. It is so fun for me and so special. But there's also situations where like, you know, I don't know if, if an extended family member was like, Hey, could you shoot my 10 hour wedding day for free? Like, no. Um, (laughs) so, you know, it just, and I love my extended family. It's just, that's probably a boundary for me. So I think it's, it depends with like Lindsay and I, like, I don't know, like we shoot photos, like brand photos and content photos for each other, like for free all the time. Like we'll shoot each other's like Oh, well, sessions here and there. I'm um, sorry, I'm not gonna pay you. Like you're not gonna pay me, and I'm not gonna well, pay you. Well, but what I will say, what I wanted to kind of point out is like, obviously, we do it for free for each other all the time. But typically, we're doing a trade, so it's like, well, yeah, like I'm not gonna sit here and ask Lindsay, even though she's like my best friend. I would never ask her to shoot like five sessions a year, or you know, whatever, all for free. I would never have asked her to shoot my wedding for free, like. Like never, oh, but I would easily do that. Like, th- but okay, that's where maybe maybe gets would into never have asked. That's I well, think maybe a key thing. May, sure, whatever. Like, I would I have think, paid. I would have offered to pay you. You probably would have fought, but I would have tried to pay you. <laughs> maybe, maybe yeah, that's fair. Um, I I think my personal boundary. I am an only child, so I don't really have like siblings, <laughs> and like I guess I would. I, I if anybody in my immediate family, I don't have an immediate family though. Is the thing. Well, I guess Andrew's siblings. Is that immediate? They've just never, no, that's not true. I did newborn photos for his sister, like way back in the day. So same thing. I I would not have a problem doing like immediate family for free that, that doesn't draw my, you know, line or whatever. And Mm -hmm. I, for friends, I think is typically, uh, this is what I do. I, I feel it out. It's, it's different for everybody. Like, I think it's the level of like, how close are you with that person? Um, like again, Evie, like I would literally, it shoot literally anything for free because I like just don't care. We also have shot each other like for brands, like mm-hmm. just like brand photos, like literally so many times. But most is it's for the heart, so it's like whatever. But <laughs> I think I get to a point with friends where if they are genuinely enough friends that it feels like icky to me to like send them an invoice, like I genuinely just would feel so weird about that because we are such close friends. That that's where I stop. And I have a really great example of a client that started off as a client and then turned into like best friends. Um mm-hmm. Back in the day, I had this couple that inquired with me. Their names are Matt and Maddie. And they started out as purely as clients. And then we both moved to Hawaii at the same time, like our families did. And so I shot them like, I think once in Hawaii paid. So it was technically the second session paid because I did one session in Kansas City before we moved. So like two sessions now paid. But because we were both in Hawaii, like we were hanging out like all the time, every week, like hiking, going like, like on fret, like we were just like really close. And so every year they wanted me to do their, um, anniversary photos. photos. And by the third time that we were shooting, I literally was like, this feels so weird to like send them an invoice. So I was like, Hey, we're just, I'm just going to do it. Like, I don't care. Like, I love you guys. Like we have fun, like whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, that's a personal choice, which I think is going back to the basis of this question, like, where do you draw, draw the line? I don't think we can tell you where to draw that line. That's a personal choice for you. Yeah. I think it just depends 
on the situation and, yeah. and also recognizing like, does the other person value? Like, that's a huge thing for me is like, if, if a person is just trying to like get a free, you know, like, I don't know if, if there's like yeah. not a good healthy relationship there, they don't really appreciate you. They don't value you, your work. They're just trying to get like a discount or get something for free that they might have to pay for otherwise. Like, you know, that might be a situation where I'm like, I don't really like, that's not going to be fun for me to do because you don't really care. We don't have a healthy relationship. It's going to be hard. You're probably going to be pestering me about delivery dates. Like, just feel it out. Like, if those situations, like, yeah, you might want to set a boundary and be like, I don't do that for free. You can book me at my full rate, <laughs> which at that point they probably wouldn't want to do. But, you know, if you have a healthy relationship and they value you and your work and it brings you joy as well as blesses them, like, I don't see any issues with it. I don't have any problems with like I do a lot of free work for my family and my friends and I love it. So I think it just depends. All right. Hey, have you been eyeing the Heart Conference tickets for Dallas this year, but you're feeling really torn or overwhelmed and a little nervous to do something that feels kind of big and scary and new? Look, we get it. Going somewhere alone can be very overwhelming. Traveling can be expensive and hard, which is why we have the Heart Conference Facebook group. We have dozens of entrepreneurs in there connecting with each other before our week together in Dallas this October. And that's also a great place to find travel buddies to go with you and split travel costs like lodging, rental cars, or anything like that. To join the group and find your people to make this experience even more fun and exciting, the link is in our show notes, or you can go to theheartuniversity.com forward slash conference to learn more. And there's a section on that page to join the group as well. We want to see you in Dallas. So grab your ticket if you haven't already and come join the pregame party in our conference Facebook group to grab a travel buddy, meet new friends and get hyped together. One more time, that's theheartuniversity.com forward slash conference. We will see you in Dallas. Yeah. Is your workflow for your clients all over the freaking place? Is stuff falling through the cracks and you feel so overwhelmed trying to stay on top of client communication? Don't worry, we have all been there. If that is you, you have to hear about the best investment we have ever made into our businesses. HoneyBook, a client relationship management software. It is an all-in-one project management tool that is designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs. When I tell you it streamlines everything and gives me my life back, I am not kidding. Integrated inquiry forms, client workflow and automations, contracts, invoicing, calendar integration. They also have templates, brand customization abilities, and an app so you can send invoices and emails while you're on the go. HoneyBook gives you the ability to streamline everything for an excellent client experience directly from your fingertips. So you no longer have to spend 24-7 working in your business and you can get back to living your life instead. We promise HoneyBook will revolutionize your business the way it has ours. In addition to a free seven-day trial, we have an exclusive offer for our podcast listeners. 35% off the first two years. All you have to do is go to share.honeybook.com slash heart and claim your discount. That's share.honeybook.com slash heart, or you can check out the link in our show notes. Moving on to the next question. This one's a fun one. Destiny asks, where the heck is the best place to stand for a first kiss? <laughs> oh, I love that. The first time I read that question, I was like, wait, th- the middle of the aisle, where else would you stand? <laughs> um, so that's my answer, like dead center of the middle of the aisle. But do you have a different answer? I mean, is there a different answer? Well, I think it just depends. So the the go-to for me is like Lindsay's saying, dead center, middle of the aisle, Typically, it just depends on how far, how long the aisle is, how many rows of seating or there what is. Or you have. Yeah. But like typically, I'm not like 
level with row one. I want to be back a little bit. Yeah, like, no. I don't want to interrupt. I don't want to be in their face. I do not want to like disturb them or their families. Like I'm typically like row four or back. Um, it just depends on my lens and, and what's going on, how big the ceremony yeah. is. However, there are situations where couples love to have the photo of their first kiss from the front, like the the I guess the back, like where the officiant would stand and getting the reaction of the crowd, like cheering and smiling and stuff while they're doing their first kiss. In which case, if you want to like, you know, experiment with that with your couples, whatever, like talk to them ahead of time, see if they're interested. I've had couples Make request- Make sure the sufficient moves. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. I've had couples request that, you know, shot and I know that they want it and that's great. I'll just communicate with the officiant. So I would say those are the two- in my opinion, like center aisle, just getting them straight on. Or if they want it and they're okay with it, they request it to go behind them uh-huh. to shoot like the reaction of the crowd too. I'll just add to that. I Everything that Evie said, I, front, middle, dead center of the aisle, I usually almost always shoot the first kiss on a 35 millimeter just because... I don't usually have, they don't kiss long enough typically for me to like switch lenses while they're kissing. Mm -hmm. So I just want like what I know it will be like the best like full body image. Cause Mm -hmm. I usually, I feel like people don't want the first kiss to be like, like a mega close up, Mm -hmm. just usually. Um, So that's why like middle of the aisle, 35 millimeter. Um, I will say like, sometimes you might have to like be like slightly moving from the dead center, depending on like if there's a videographer, usually before the ceremony starts, I'll communicate with them like, hey, where are you going to be? Where would you like to be for the first kiss? Would you like to be like right beside me? And usually what happens is once I photograph the first kiss, if there is a videographer, I'll be like right beside them because they're obviously going to want to get that same kind of like middle of the aisle view. And then as the photo- or as the couple moves down the aisle to walk out, I will just like walk backwards as I'm photographing them like walking out. And usually the videographer, mm-hmm. if there is one, will do the same thing, like kind of like walking backwards. And so we're just like trailing backwards from there. Um, and then what Evie was saying, I like getting that angle with a second shooter. Because like if there's a second shooter, in my opinion, you don't need... If you have a second shooter and a videographer, the aisle, I don't think, needs three people. There's no, no purpose of the second shooter being right beside you if you're getting that shot. So in that scenario, I would have the second shooter get the shot that Evie it would talked about, like kind of behind. You just have to make sure that you're... Unless you're like confident that you can edit them out, like you want to make sure that you're not getting like the second shooter just like all up in the photo, like from your angle. Um, so where but, do you have the second shooter stand for that? Like they can't be directly behind the couple. They could crouch. They could crouch. Oh. Or I've had them crouch or I've had them like off to the side, like out of my angle, Mm -hmm. but they're getting almost like a wide angle from the back. So you can see like them kissing, but then like the whole crowd. Yeah. Like kind of like a wide angle, whereas like I'm getting from the front. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, All right. To throw out there, I typically shoot ceremonies with a dual camera shoot. And I typically nowadays use my 24 to 70 and my 70 to 200. And so I'm typically shooting the kiss on my 24 to 70. So I don't typically shoot any more ceremony on prime unless it's a longer ceremony. I have time to switch lenses around. Um, so just saying, when, when Lindsay's saying like she shoots with her 35, I used to do that. I love it. It's a great shot. Um, but I like the flexibility now on ceremonies of the 24 to 70 because I can get that wide shot, but I can also like crop in a bit, like zoom in. Typically I have enough time to like get a variety of angles, but Mm -hmm. you can always crop and post. So just an encouragement. Like you use whatever lenses bring you joy. (laughs) 
Amen to that. All right, next question is from Lauren. She says, how to hone in on your vibe win in the first few years of business. I'm assuming by vibe, she means like brand. If she means editing, we kind of already covered that. Like if she means like photo editing, mm-hmm. um, I'm assuming by vibe, she means kind of like the the vibe and the overall brand of your photography business. Mm-hmm. I'm going to answer the question from that perspective because I'm assuming that's what vibe means. <laughs> yeah. I would recommend... To, so, okay. So if you're first starting your photography business and you're like, I don't know what type of photographer or even maybe you know your niche of what you want to shoot, but you don't know maybe how to brand it or how to kind of like get the vibe. I will go with that word. My question to you would be to say, okay, well, what's your product or service? Like, and and maybe I'm answering this a little bit more broad. I can still answer this for photographers. Like what is your exact service? Are you a newborn photographer? Are you a wedding photographer? Are you a, uh, senior photographer? Like what type of photographer are you? Um, and then back up, who do you want to serve or who makes the most sense to be your client based on what your service is? Um, so if you know that you really love working with younger uh, like students, then maybe you're like, oh, okay, I really love that. Maybe I'll go into senior photography. Or you really love working with couples and or you just love documenting love, then maybe, okay, go into wedding photography. Like first, before you even talk about the vibe, I would talk about like the type of photography that you're wanting to do because I think that dictates so much of where the vibe will go. I keep mm-hmm. saying vibe, the brand. <laughs> <laughs> I think from there, like... What feeling do you want your photos to evoke in your customer, like your service to evoke? And based on that feeling, start to kind of construct your brand around it. So with any, even the details of like your colors within your brand, like look up color theory. If you're not Mm -hmm. familiar with it already, there's a lot within color theory of, you know, I forget all exactly what they are, but like blue is like very calming. Um, Yellow is very like exciting and happy. Um, So anyways, like look up color theory and actually think of what emotions do I want to evoke and how can I even have the tiny details of like colors align with that as well as brand elements, graphics, um, logos and fonts. Like everything should be like a brick that is all adding up to the structure, the pyramid, whatever that is your brand. So everything Mm -hmm. should be giving the same message and communicating the same feelings, the same vibe, the same um, visuals that you and your brand and your service and your photos evoke. Yeah. I can think of an example. If uh, like, say you're a photographer and you're wanting to serve adventurous couples with elopement outdoor photography, like, you know, that that's kind of like what you're trying to go toward. But then maybe when people come to your website, there might like, if it, And this is just an example, obviously, but like say they come to your website and there is super bubbly neon bright vibes, whether it's the font, the colors, whatever. Does that communicate the message that your ideal client, which is adventurous couples wanting to get married in the outdoors, like, does that communicate what they're wanting? Or do they love more earth tone? Right, right. Because like outdoors, and that's not to say you can't have like a bright bubbly personality and use bright colors and be an outdoor photographer. Like you can, but again... You, you don't always want to make your vibe or your brand about just purely what you like and what colors you like. Like you gen- genuinely want to think about what's going to attract my ideal client, which is why we harp on this 5 million times on this podcast, but that's why <laughs> having a niche and an ideal client is so specific because every decision revolves around it. Um, whereas say you were a senior photographer wanting to ne- connect with high school girls and make them feel beautiful and loved. 
colorful, bright, bubbly fonts and colors might work more for that client than like outdoor elopements. Because I mean, not that you can't use neutral coloring for senior photographers, but it's just, it's again, thinking of your ideal client and who you're wanting to attract and Mm -hmm. what feeling you're wanting to evoke in them. Like for senior photography, I could imagine you're wanting to think of like, oh, I want to make them beautiful and empowered in this season of life before they go off to college or the world or whatever. Whereas that's a very different feeling of what you're trying to evoke in your images than, you know, outdoor elopement photography. You're trying to enhance, you know, the feeling of their love and tell their story authentically in the outdoors. And you want that organic earthy feeling. And so like those type of words typically go a little bit more with like minimal, uh, fonts and earth tones, not always, Mm -hmm. but typically I'm overarching here, but hopefully you can kind of understand that like, okay, to hone in on the vibe of your first few years in business, you got to dial it back and figure Mm -hmm. out who you are, who you want to serve and what feeling you want to evoke in that specific person with your service. And I think we're, you know, we went very specific of like brand imagery and brand presentation, but also like there is a lot that is communicated via your your visuals. Like if you're posting, like what you're putting on your stories, how your feed looks, what your brand voice is, um, what your photos look like. There's mm-hmm. just so much that goes into creating a brand and a brand image as a whole. And one thing I want to say is there is such a learning curve and there's so much growth that occurs in business in those first few years of business. So to give yourself like all the freedom and permission in the world to figure it out. Like I know my first website was absolute garbage compared to even my second. And then my second was absolute garbage compared to my third. Um, Because I was finding my vibe. I was finding my ideal client. I was finding my brand image and voice um, throughout all of those first few years of business. And that is a normal, healthy, and good part of building a business. So you do not have to have everything perfect right out of the gate. Just show up. You know, if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, maybe my brand isn't cohesive or maybe like the the photos or the, I'm sorry, the colors don't reflect to my ideal client. Like do not stress it. Like, yes, that is something that you can keep in the back of your mind and color theory and, you know, whatnot. But at this end of the day, like, what really matters is the quality of your photos and your service to your clients. So focus on really perfecting that before anything else. Like that should be, if you were giving a crappy service and subpar photos to your clients, like based on what they paid for, it doesn't matter how beautiful your brand visuals look. Yeah. You you will struggle in business. Whereas if you deliver a killer experience and killer photos, even, you know, my first wedding, I look back and I'm like, oof, my clients to this day love their photos. And I am so glad they do. But you know, like, it's like, you might be like, oh, I, I have so much more work to do, but do your clients love them? You know, have you poured your heart and soul into them? That's a strong encouragement is like, even while you're figuring out your, your vibe, your brand, your ideal client in the first few years of business, really navigating all the new, the ups, the downs, the, you know, the unknowns, just focus on how can I serve my clients and make their life deeply impacted by what I'm doing. 
Amen. Well, that is our photography Q&A episode. I hope that was fun. If you love Q&A episodes like this, let us know in uh, the Facebook group or on Instagram. Share this on your story and just let us know what topics you love most or if you just want us to do a general Q&A again or a lifestyle Q&A. We love a good Q&A. So let us know if you like these episodes and we will keep doing them. Yes. All right, friends. Well, we love you so much. Uh, We will see you on the next episode. And in the meantime, we'll hang out with you in the Facebook group and on IG. 